0: You're listening to Soul Work With San, where we journey through the needed conversations so that we can live, lead, and love better in this life. I'm your host, San, and we're wrapping up season one, fam. That's right. We made it through the very first season of the show. We made it. <laughs> Shout out to that Hezekiah Walker song, right? Now, we've got a bonus question and response coming your way next week. But today, we're going to talk about a touchy subject. Like this episode was a journey in of itself for me to explore, but I really hope you hear my heart on this one. Today, I want to talk to you about the one thing Jesus can give that no other faith, person, or way of life can. I'm so hyped about this episode, I don't know what to do. So let's just jump right in. You ready? Let's work. The Journey Away. I was digging into one of my all time favorite books in the Bible, which is Romans, and I was blown away by the simple but powerful truth of the gospel. See, in chapter 5, Paul is reminding us not only of the great love God has for us, but also showing where we were when he had it. Fam, when I got to verses 6 through 8, you know what? Nah, I'm just gonna read it to you because it's worth it. Here's God's word, verse 6. For while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the text. Fam, are you kidding me? Paul is explaining, first of all, who did he die for? ungodly folk we didn't even want him we wanted nothing to do with him we knew nothing of him and that's when he died when we were at our most miserable place Woo that's why what kind of love is that paul goes on to say that nobody's out here dying for people weak and worn down and even on the rare occasion that you find someone willing it would only be for what they would consider a good person. But this is how we know that he loves us because when we weren't good, he died anyway. This is the gospel. Now we can get hype off that because that alone is enough. Now we can do a dance and, and be all right, but I feel like we should go a little deeper than that. So let's take the next step, the journey back. Now, as believers, we know that the death of Christ on the cross is what reconciled us back to God. It brought us back to him but it also created the marvelous opportunity to be known as his children. The act of adoption of God through Christ for us, it creates an assurance for our souls that we desperately need. This is one of the many reasons why I love the book of Romans, because in chapter five, Paul is explaining that even though we were enemies of God, he still died. And in chapter six, he explains that not only were we reconciled, But we don't ever have to fear going back to our old destiny because we've been adopted. That's right. And now because of that, just like Jesus, we can call God our father. Damn, this is huge because many of us wrestle and struggle with feelings of inadequacy, doubt, self-condemnation and beyond. But isn't it comforting to know that none of that matters because we belong to him now and he to us? Talk about having no reason to fear. That old life, that old misery, the dread that this is all there is, that there's no meaning to be experienced, that's been put to bed. Now, to say it another way, he sees all of what we've gone through and what we've done. But as believers in him, he still calls us his own. So you mean to tell me that the God of the universe, the creator of sun, moon, stars, the most powerful entity, he knows those moments when I want nothing to do with him and he still bids me to come. He still wants me to want him. He paid our debt. He makes us new, washes us clean and calls us his children. Yeah, God is good like that. And he promises us eternity with him because here's the truth, fam. The soul is going somewhere for eternity. The question is, where will yours be? God is good like that. So when we know that, what are the things that we're so worried about again? Now, I know, to be clear, this doesn't mean as followers of Jesus, our head must be in the clouds because we're called and chosen and we're beyond the issues of the world. On the contrary, it's from this place of blessed assurance that we can roll up our sleeves and do our very best to be the hands and feet of this gospel and to share this kind of love with others, including our enemies. Enemies? What you, what you mean, Tom? What you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked because this brings me to my final point. The journey home. Now that we've briefly examined this great doctrine of adoption, let's give a sidebar here. Some scholars refer to it as the sweetest doctrine. And one writer went even further and he says this. It takes a judge to acquit but it takes a father to adopt. My, my, don't get me started. I'm going to stop right there. But here's the thing. Adoption creates this great transition from being an enemy of God to his love child. But you do know what this means, right? It's a twofold blessing. Number one, we are now a part of a believing community of people all over the world that we can rightfully claim as brothers and sisters. This is why the word is so richly true when it says in Psalms that he puts the lonely in families. That sense of belonging and care, it's ethereal, or as my fellow Jamaicans would call it, ethereal. (laughs) God, I love us. I'm going to stop. But back to it. The first thing is dope. But number two. We now must do what he has done for us to others. Fam, it's time to love our enemies. Yeah, now let's chop it up. Being a part of the household of faith is truly the greatest gift our souls could ever receive. It is the opportunity to work out our faith within the audience of others who are doing the same with grace, with space, with mercy. Now, remember, we're adopted now. So this means that we have a new home in and with Jesus and we're to live this out with each other, striving, sharing, learning, rejoicing, disagreeing and reconciling, weeping and being glad living together. But this also means that a part of what makes us who we are, what separates us from the world is our ability to love those who probably want nothing to do with us. Now, Galatians 6.10 shows us that we've got to love everybody, but especially our siblings. Yep. Even the ones who drive us up the wall. We've got a new DNA in us. It gives us the strength and ability because we're going to need both of them to love well in this world. But we're capable because he called us and he who called us is faithful to complete the work he started in us to be just like him. You want to know what blew my mind when I started learning more about our history and heritage, that it was the teachings of Jesus that turned the world upside down. He didn't just change the Jews or change folk who are now proclaimed to be Christian. He changed the world. See, during that culture, the ancient worldview, there was no consideration or value of life the way it is now. People didn't treat one another no matter regardless of class or status, with love and kindness, that's all because of him. The level of hospitality, belonging, and care that we now show one another, it originated in Christian thought. Why do you think the Pharisees hated him so bad? He came and robbed them of their right to be right by filthy means. Because the first hospitals, hotels, and orphanages were founded by believers wanting to reflect the love they received from Jesus to their fellow humans. This is our heritage and our earthly inheritance, that we, who were once outsiders, come in but then go out to gather others, extending mercy and love along the way. We've not been adopted to be brats, swollen by the goodness we get to receive. Rather, we're called to be sibling ambassadors, able to ignore insults, shaking off the venom of others for their soul's sake and our own. Now, hear me healthily. I am not saying that you should subject yourself to the abusive antics of wicked people. But what I am saying is sometimes before we cut the person off and write the clever yet subliminal announcement of their loss on our page, perhaps from a prayerful posture, we pursue peace with them. At the very least, we can walk away knowing we're at peace within ourselves, that we did what we could and we owe nobody anything but love. Now, we all know people who are miserable. Don't you remember Mino Myrtle from episode one? That's real, fam. But if I've been given this beyond comprehension kind of love, is it possible to revisit a broken connection for the sake of reconciliation? Now use discernment. He'll tell you who, but once he tells you, do. So what's the one thing that Jesus can give us that no other way can? He gives us home, true fellowship and communion, not just with him, but with each other to the restless, confused, forsaken soul, this is good news. Now, this may be hard for some people to understand because many of us struggle with earthly parental relationships. And unfortunately, I know way too many people that have been exploited by this obsession with sonship that's developed within some of our churches. Now that's a different podcast for a different day. But this truth doesn't change our position of being his child and of having brothers and sisters who may not look like or think or act like us, but we're still all unified because of Jesus. He gives us the grace to receive this gift. So fam, let's get back to home, to community, fellowship and unified relationship with each other because all this division It's costing us and compromising our commission, but we've got soon to be siblings waiting on our maturity. Now, I want to tell you why I did this episode. It's a real strong one on my heart. Last week's episode on money convicted me thoroughly. It made sure that my affections are in the right place and that I'm not inadvertently trying to be financially independent so that I don't have to trust him on terms I don't like. (laughs) You see that? If you missed last week, you might want to check it out. It'll bless you. But see, this week, I'm burdened by the state of our household of faith. Now, I'm clear this is his bride and he's in control. He already said it won't be defeated. And I'm fully confident that when he said he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle, he's going to do just that. So I guess I'm just in a curious place because it's an election year and it's baffling to me to see folks on both sides treat this race as if their future depends on a president. Since when? Politics has become the new religion, but it's not eternal. In this era of information, we're more educated on the things of the scriptures than we've ever been. And yet our treatment of one another is wildly inaccurate to what those same scriptures say we should practice. How did we get here? Now, notice I said we because we're in this together. But to return to my point, despite the pandemic and us having to remain distant from each other, it's imperative. It is so crucial that we remain a community. The level of loneliness in our society, it's rising and it has no specific age range. Young and old are suffering, rich and poor, married and single folks are suffering in silence and going through. So even though we're more digitally connected than we've ever been, we're also more isolated than we've ever been. And it's killing us. So we've got to do something. Let's get back to the place of family and honesty, of grace and love. That is home. That's where we belong. I remain optimistic because Christianity is a faith of care generosity, and affection. It's a walk of mercy and justice. It's a way of truth and grace. It is the gospel of change and camaraderie. See, we went from enemies to children of God because of the work on the cross. The least we can do to say thank you for this gift is to do it by duplicating what he did for us to others. This is our command from him to show that we belong to him by how we treat people. It is not in our education or our intellect. It is not in how well we can hermeneutically exegete a text. Don't nobody care about that. Jesus didn't. He didn't say that. What he said is by this, you're going to know that you're mine by the love that you show one to another. And this is, is how we let love continue. Here's my question. What can you do to help us become the community we're called to be? Now here's a bonus question. What can I do to help you do just that? fam? thank you so much for letting me be with you today. We're living in some strange times, but we know that hope has a name and it's Jesus. See, thousands of years later, he's never been defeated and he's never let us go. Why would he start now? We may not know when this pandemic will be over, but we do know who knows. And we know that he can be trusted. So stay the course, fam. Reps and sets. Be encouraged. He's faithful. Now, if this brought you any value, I'd be so honored if you'd subscribe to the show for more soul hitting episodes delivered freely to your device each week. Check out our website, soulworkwithsan.com for more thoughts. We're on Facebook and Instagram at soulworkwithsan. Now this is the last official episode of season one. Y'all have no idea how grateful I am to have made it this far with you. If you only knew. (laughs) And we're going to keep going. I'm already gearing up for season two. In season two, we're going to be dealing with formation. Yo, it is real. But before we get to that, I'm going to do a bonus question and response episode. Thanks for sending in your questions, some of you, but keep them coming. You can send the questions directly through me through IG or Facebook, or you can email me at hello at soulworkwithsan.com. That's hello at soulworkwithsan.com. S-A-H-N. Let's change, fam. We're in this together. Now remember... You're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.